Today is the first episode of our Oscars 2018 series, starting with the title As Long As A Day Without Bread, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Straight from Scotland, with your hosts, Adam, Anouk and Jan, you're listening to the Good, the Bad and the Just Plain Standard podcast. Hey guys, so how's, uh, how's life? Yeah, good. Good, yeah. Yep. It's such a beautiful day outside. Perfect day for podcasting. Mm. Yeah, it's a post. Um, it's a post a snow Armageddon. Uh, the beast God. through the east. That was bad. Two week, two weeks ago, was it? Part one and two. There was one a couple of days ago as well. Oh yeah, but thank God that didn't snow us in. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> it's been okay. Um, so today is all about three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, starring Francis McDormand, Sam Rockwell, Woody Harrelson. Peter Dinklage, Abby Cornish, John Hawkes, and Caleb Landry-Jones. Good. So um, this is the first episode of our Oscar series. It's not really a month because we'll, we'll do them in sequence, but uh, I don't know when uh, or if we'll release all of them at the same time or in the same month. Anyway, critically acclaimed film season. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that we're um, rewarded or not at the latest uh, Oscars. Ah, yes. 90th Oscars. Um, 90 years old. Yes, we actually, usually we go to the theatres to see those ones, but uh, thanks to the media schedule, uh, which makes it that there is the time between releasing in in cinemas and when it's actually uh, on DVDs or Blu-rays or VOD, uh, in the US, uh, for instance, Lady Bird, which will come at one point, was released in November. Oh, right. uh, in cinema, in uh, yeah, there. So it was released here in the UK at the end of February, and it came on iTunes US because uh, we we saw them from iTunes US. They were released quite fast. Um, Lady Bird was released, and uh, probably at the same time uh, here on VOD as it was on the UK. Huh. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, I just wanted to bring uh, something up from the um, uh, Black Panther episode. Uh, We'll do a second one, but we don't know when, so uh, I wanted to clarify one point. When I talked about the snow um, and the fact that the um, people in Tahiti never saw uh, the snow with that story, which sounded like it came up from nowhere and didn't go anywhere in the episode, what I meant is that kind of um, Star Wars um, thinking, like you never see snow, so you're afraid of snow, and then you hate snow, and then you're a snow racist. Mm-hmm. That's uh, I'm pretty sure that the, the 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 real root of racism there is uh, ignorance or never mm. uh, not knowing what you're dealing with. Oh yeah, completely. Um, it's the same with like homophobia and sexism and all this stuff. It's just not knowing and not wanting to. Yeah. I think there's a di- and that's the thing with ignorance. Ignorance is having the knowledge or at least having heard the knowledge of something different to what you think but deciding to not believe it or not listen you know not that's ignorance and that's difference to to just not knowing because obviously there are so many things that we all don't know but ignorance is different because it's like you have the ability to know something but you just don't allow yourself to that's ignorance. Right, you'll just ignore that thing, yeah. Okay. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Right, it's right. like you want to stay racist, because mm. that's kind of like your comfort zone. 
Right. You know? Okay. Ignorance is bliss, is the, <laughs> yes. is the quote, isn't it? Exactly. Oh, yes, that's the red and blue pill thing. That's the whole mm. thing. I uh, would have happily stayed in the, uh, was that the, the blue pill, like the fantasy world, uh, mm. pre-Libya fantasy world. Mm. I, would, I would have happy, I would have uh, been happy stayed in there. So, yeah, anyway, so this film, it um, got two uh, acting awards. Best uh, Actress for uh, Frances McDormand and Best Supporting Actor for um, Sam Rockwell. And Best Picture in the BAFTAs, I believe. I believe in the BAFTAs. Oh, yeah, yeah, won, yeah, yeah. But I mean in the Oscars. Are we covering yeah. Oscars? Okay. At, okay. Yeah, but it probably, uh, well, the Golden Globes, uh, it had uh, Best Film, I think. Okay, mm-hmm. so we'll yeah. just stick to what the Oscars way. And if there's anything worth mentioning, pick that up. Yeah, yeah, no, BAFTAs, like, that's fine that you say that. Yeah, but I mean, because um, the disaster artist, James Franco, got the best the best actor uh, there. And uh, it true. was completely snubbed. Uh, I just Oscars. mean I just mean for the film. We, if we, if yeah. the film we talk about picked up other things, we oh, yeah, can mention. Sure. That's why I mean. Because uh, yep. Free Billboards definitely did well at the BAFTAs over here. Got best film, I believe. Best film. Mm-hmm. I'll look it up right now just to. Um, but I, I totally, clarify. I totally um, get that uh, they both got an Oscars. I thought both of them deserved. Yeah. Well, the thing I don't, I was wondering earlier because we just you saw it just before, and I watched it once, uh, so it was my second time. I was wondering if we could, if we should. Um, give our um, ideas on those specific Oscar wins when we actually are talking about the movies or when we have actually seen all the performances. This is true. We should do one at the end, like a, what do we, do we think it was deserved and who we would give ours to? I think that's a good idea. Yeah, because, yeah, for instance, I think uh, this was a very, very good contendent. It had a very good chance to win the best picture, which it didn't. Um but um, compared to when we'll watch The Shape of Water, which I already watched, I, in my view, um, it's it's different, and I'm a bit surprised it won. But yeah, we'll we'll, we'll uh, investigate and talk about that in the when we talk about those other movies. Probably. So to clarify, for the seventy first BAFTAs, which was this year's BAFTAs, lead actress, best film, uh, best British film, best actor in a supporting role, Sam Rockwell, yeah. Mm-hmm. And did it win any other ones? Best original screenplay. Ah. Right. Okay. Have you read any of uh, Martin McDonagh's plays? I have. I've got a good story. Uh, My audition piece for ACS 2016, when we were there, our year, was um, a Martin McDowell monologue from The Pillow Man. How do you say his name? uh, I say Martin McDonagh. 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 But I could be wrong. I'm never good. I'm. That's the one thing I struggle with. Names for me is my Achilles heel. McDon- but yeah, I think you wouldn't say the GH at the end, McDonough, rather than McDonough. I don't know. We have a Sosha Ronan. Or we got uh, when we did Atomic Blonde. We said Charlize Theron. It's Charlize Farin. Theron. Theron. Because I watched a uh, Hot Ones that. Uh, it's like a talk show where they eat wings. It's on YouTube. It's really good, actually. Yes, I also watched this one. With Sean yeah. Evans, yeah. And he so he introduces her. And I'm like, oh, we got the name wrong. Charlize Theron. Charlize Theron, yeah. Um, anyway, so your audition piece... Was um, from The Pillow Man. And I can't pronounce the character's name either. I'm going to say Cotterin, 
or Katerin, but it was, it's a, uh, I could never pronounce it. So when it came up to the, go like, oh, what are you going to read for us? Um, I was like, I've just got to gamble and go for a name. Uh, so I said it and I did the monologue. And what was more entertaining was the fact that uh, our coach, Mark, um, I'd been rehearsing both pieces, right? Um, <laughs> with Mark. So he'd already seen them. Uh, and one of the questions I got asked was, so why did you pick these monologues? And uh, my Shakespeare piece, which was uh, Richard II, Mark had told me, they recommended me to do for my other drama schools. And so I, I said, I said in my edition, I'm like, essentially Mark told me to do that piece uh-huh. <laughs> to, to the edition panel. And I was like, oh, well. But yeah, I did a Mark McDowell piece. Mm. He's very dark and yeah. tackles like usually quite working class very um almost like small towns well they use you know, like, totally out the way places like in uh, in you know the the back streets of ireland so i think he's irish mm. i'm not sure deep america like um, the movie u-turn was i don't know if you've ever seen I this see, one yeah. like the deep uh or like, even the deep south of deliverance as well which is a really good film and book I like I it's a very good point you bring up about small towns. I think small towns are an excellent way to showcase um popular think thoughts because you have this place that is so setting its ways that it contrasts what we think is the way everything should be. So it's a very good writing trait. And also it to, seems like quite a lot of the the people that live there have their roles and keep them. Hmm. And uh, as you said set in their ways but like that usually means that things never change. That's actually a good question. Do you can you relate to that being from London? <laughs> um, well, uh, it's very difficult for me to relate to knowing everyone around you. But then again, like I spent quite a lot of time in Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, and I mean that sometimes feels like a small village because they like to stay in the same place and they quite a lot of them have the same jobs i mean in the financial sector and they wear suits even with that you were your friends from chelsea were even again were like another smaller section of that area as well yeah like you know everyone you like walk down the street and you'll always pass someone that you'll know and that usually means that people always have to look good Mm. Or have to be on their best behavior and that kind of vigilance is tiring you know like you're always just worried you're going to say the right thing or the wrong thing and blah, blah blah what is my status what is this like there's so many things that i think being brought up in london you don't you don't have not even in the borough's sense because obviously you'd have in things. a smaller sense yes i mean I, I, this is kind of like a very human thing isn't it like you have gangs <laughs> You know, and that's probably the same thing. Like you have your status. Yeah, of course. You have your, so in a sense, yeah, maybe in certain boroughs of London, you'll have that. So did you have people that you would know, like, oh, he, by nickname? Because I did. I mean, we still do. There's a guy in Dunfermline called Disco Deke. (laughs) Um, And everyone knows Disco Deke. And people from Dunfermline listen to this podcast. Oh yeah, Disco Deke. I haven't actually seen, because obviously I don't live in Dunfermline anymore. I haven't seen him in, in years, but you know he would always like pop into shops and everyone's like, "Oh, here's there's Jim, here's Disco Deke coming," and you know he was cool with the name. Like every year, there's a petition to get him to turn on the Christmas lights in Dunfermline because he's like a, a town character almost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. yeah, I get that. I get that small town um, demographic, that thing. What about you, Jan? Where did you grow up? Did you grow up in a small town or did you grow up? 
my dad uh, worked a lot. So I was born in Aix-en-Provence, mm. uh, which is in a kind of bit west of the French Riviera. Well, we moved quite a lot. I went from the south to uh, the deep south <laughs> to uh, Parisian region. Okay. And then we settled for the longest time in the center. The idea is, was when I was in Provence, I started to have an accent. And the Marseille accent is the worst. <laughs> like, I mean, my, my mom learned English with uh, a teacher who was uh, from Marseille. And it was like, it was, uh, so, hello, everyone. Today, uh, we are going to talk about um, the weather. Wow. This is Marseille, what pe English people think are the stereotypical French accent. Like, they're, ha, ha, yeah. Um, I don't, I have it never may, located it, this one. I, the, that's, the, the, I've the always wondered that too, because I'm like, there Where must. Where does that come from? Well, it comes from uh, Allo Allo a lot of the time, which was a yeah. really like. <gasps> World War II. Yeah. And the guy would speak in <laughs> English, but it would be, so the phrase would be, I was passing through the, 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 the door when I, I was passing through the street where I heard a shot. Uh, and the, the guy said, I was passing through the street when I heard the shit. Like that, like it would be to try and get dirty words through, but you would be able to do it by putting on a French accent. So they would choose, right. yeah. Oh, okay. So I think that's where that comes from, yeah. which is totally inaccurate. When I was starting to get that South accent, they just said, oh boy. So they moved. Well, that's the reason afterwards, but it was for work, obviously. <laughs> and uh, But the, the place we moved and we stayed for the longest time, like almost 20, 20 years, was in the center of uh, France, where it's notorious that there is no accent. Right, okay. So I, I don't have any regional accent, thanks to this. Oh, okay. But uh, th this place was in the country, hmm. so it was a small town. Okay. Yeah, yeah it was small town stuff. Mm. I don't remember growing up in huge... Uh, megapolis, mm. uh, I me megalopolises. I just lived in Dunfermline for eight, nineteen. Yeah, about nineteen, 19 years. I moved. Um, I moved just before my twentieth birthday. Was it my nineteenth? No, it was my twentieth. Definitely, my twentieth birthday was about a couple of weeks after we started ACS, and that was the first time I moved. Yeah. Um, to Glasgow, which is a city, so mm. it's moving from a small town to a city. Well, talking about deep south um, mm. accents, so I um, I went to see at NT Live a uh, cat on a hunting roof oh, a few okay. a few weeks ago. My favorite play, I love it. And uh, Tennessee I know Williams drama, yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, I know that some people in the, our former uh, student mates did not go see it because the trailer looked weird. And indeed, you have to get past the accent because it's really strong. I, I wasn't, I didn't really realize. So it took me half an hour to actually get into the thing. Mm. Uh, whereas, because it's obviously theater and the screen is different. So it, they have to project and everything. So it amplifies the issues. Ah, I see. Whereas here, you don't, it, it's just like in um, the, the play, the, it felt fake a bit. It, mm. it was good, but it felt weird. While here, it's you feel like they're just those guys, basically. Yeah, of course. Speaking yeah. their own accents, yeah. I remember when we were at drama school, um, that's one of the reasons why um, my general American, I, I didn't do as well as I wanted to, because there were some words that sounded like I was really technical on them, so it didn't come out as natural. And that's something that... If you want to do an accent for something, know that you're 
really good at it because as soon as you break that fourth wall almost it the illusion is completely broken and you're just like yes I cannot tell you how and I mean maybe it's because I'm an actor so there are some things I notice like 10 million times more than probably like anyone else but if an accent is bad I just I can't Mm. yeah and you have you have a bit of an advantage over me on that because you already you just you mostly have to work on the sounds um i managed to nail down the sounds every time two years ago but the issue was the rhythm uh-huh. uh, yeah because yeah. french and english are different rhythm so that 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 uh, requires a bit of oh, extra yeah. work you but. went for separate lessons didn't you you yeah. traveled in the beginning when we had alex as our teacher yeah. you traveled and did extra lessons yeah, yeah, it was mostly rhythms, uh, also sounds, but I, I had the sounds. Ah. I mean, because that's usually how you can trace where someone is foreign, because it's not about they sound it sounds wrong or it, it's just the mm. rhythm of it is very different, and it, you can get that especially with Spanish people if they ha- if they're doing uh, a, a a film um, ah. and you listen to them and you don't know why, but it sounds different it sounds nice mm. but it sounds different and you're like why is that it's because their rhythm is completely different to ours like, i mean i'm going to use the example i use all the time which is mel gibson you know when he's on the horse and brave it's a lovely day for a ride isn't it and it's like dinner 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 yeah but it's like but that's when you know somebody is struggling with an accent when that dinner 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 is nearly every other line or it's yeah. not even it's every other line it's just that's consistently there that you begin to notice that Ah, you're doing a rhythm. I mean, it's it's a matter of pride from foreigners because I think I get only um, one times out of ten now someone who would say, you're French. Uh, Most of the time they are like, I didn't really narrow the accent down. Where where are you from? (laughs) And that's uh, kind of a... That's progress. Yeah, that's a uh, pride thing that we have, I guess. Uh Like, uh, managed to fool... Just like when I was in Italy, I was able to order pizza uh, (laughs) at night... Like you wouldn't notice anything, like right? but yeah, you would when they ask questions mm-hmm. afterwards. Uh, I would I would do my my monologue uh, for, for the ordering, and then they would ask questions. I'll just take the phone and give it to another colleague. Like, what, what what did you just because I don't mm-hmm. uh, like uh, a thing that my parents always when they come here in English speaking country they want eggs. And obviously they are asked, okay, scrambled, poached, and whatever. They, they just want eggs. <laughs> like, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. So when there is a follow-up to the, yeah. you, you had your nice little <laughs> monologue prepared for two two weeks, and I will ask, uh, how you I want eggs and everything. <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> That'd be quite interesting to see in the future of when Jan goes for like a big edition, and it's obviously for like an English role or a British sounding role, and he goes in and speaks you know, because sometimes they tell actors to go in with the accent because it will throw the audition panel because they know you're doing a voice. Well, I mean, um, we've seen Network, right? The guy playing Schumacher, uh, the guy who has um, sex, yeah, yeah. kind of, he's Scottish. Yeah, he's in a show right now. Well, really? just finishing up called Shetland uh, on STV. He's in Shetland? That's the main guy, the main detective. He's done a lot of stuff. I recognised him immediately. Oh, yeah. But it was very good. I'd forgotten that he was Scottish. Until I saw that show, I was like, oh, yeah, that's uh, that's him from the play. Wow, that's good. Yeah, I've seen an interview about Network, actually. He and the, and the actual actress that were doing that. Yeah, I saw that. And, too. yeah, it was, oh, okay. And properly Scottish. Like, so yeah. Very oh, yeah. oh, yeah, oh, yeah. 
Really? Wow. But then that that's why it's like, I completely understand when, of course, it's so much harder to do, you know, project and do an accent. But there's kind of no excuse because you, you're in a, an amazing production of Cat on a Hot Tin Roof and you probably have amazing voice coaches and you probably have the money and the budget behind you to like do this extra work. There's kind of no excuse to be having a horrible accent, especially when it's not just one person. It's like, both of them talking in a really bad drawl. I mean, it's oh. not like it's a they've put on a production because of the names of the actors. You know, <laughs> like you get with musical theatre sometimes. It's like starring. I don't know. Uh, I'm just any celebrity. Oh no, I'll take one. It's actually true. Apparently, Ariana Grande is going to be in Wicked somewhere. Oh, uh, well, you know, but obviously she's a singer. But you know that same sort of thing. They like put a celebrity name or somebody that's well known to bring in tickets, and then afterwards they go, right? Can you do the accent? No. And then they find that, oh no, she can't. Like her in a Singing in the Rain. I can't stand it. Okay. And then they get a dub for her. Let's try something new because I actually took some notes this time. And uh, regarding the film. Oh. Which is new. Oh, God. Yes. <laughs> Let's actually talk about the film. Because Black Panther was an hour and a half and there were like 10 minutes about the actual movie. Hence why I want, we decided we yeah. could get Caroline and talk about the movie yeah. at some yes. point. Um, Frances McDormand, she just uh, won her second Oscar. She was in uh, for Fargo. She had the Oscar. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Su- supporting. Well, that's the thing I'm a bit ashamed of because Fargo is the huge, uh, with William H. Macy, a huge thing at ACS. I love it like crazy. Yeah, mm. I, I've, I've never seen it. It's good. Oh, it's good. It's H. Very Macy good. and Steve Buscemi, right? Yeah. 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 Um, and an, she's very good in it. There's an excellent documentary that I can't remember the name of right now, but I will post links to it when we do the write up for the episode about somebody that watched the movie Fargo, thought it was a true story, and went searching for the money and died. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. It's unbelievable. That's amazing. People will believe these things, though. I mean, it's like we just watched Misery. Sorry, we're not talking about the film. We'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, the Stephen King? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, we just saw it. Yeah, ah, cool. I saw it for the first time. I thought it was incredible. And I used to watch, um, do, you, do you ever see French and Saunders? Yes, yes. Yeah, and they do Misery. They like joke about it. Okay. And I never understood it. And now I do. And I really want to watch it again to like understand the jokes. But um, yeah, Frances McDormand. Well, her speech was a bit uh, crazy blue hair feminist kind of stuff. But <laughs> uh, let's forget that. Uh, best supporting actor, Sam Rockwell. Uh, first time I saw him, I'm pretty sure was in The Matchstick Men. I haven't seen that. You haven't seen? No, I haven't. That's pretty. It's kind of a heist movie. And uh, Nicolas Cage is the lead. It's very, very smart. When I uh, gave my opinion, well, I told Paul a few things about his movie, uh, Isolani. It reminded me kind of Matchstick Men. Very nice, very nice movie. And obviously, um, H2G2, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Of course. He's the president of the universe. Ah, okay. Weird name, Bibble Brox or whatever. I don't, I don't remember, but... Uh, yeah, that's, yeah. And he also does video games. Oh, right. It was in Dishonored 2. I've yet to play that. I'm playing Dishonored 1 again. I have Dishonored 2, but... There is uh, Sam Rockwell in it. <laughs> is he? In, is, who's he? I, I didn't uh, get the name I'd be interested for, for the game. If, I'd be interested if he's um, Corvo, because they gave a voice to Corvo in the second one. They don't oh, do it in the first okay. one, so he could be. Probably. And there, he's also in a series, like online, uh, Drunk History... Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah, yeah. Drunk yeah. History's hilarious. Um, Such a good idea. And Moon. Have you seen Moon? No, but I, I've, I've. Everyone raves about it. Yeah, I've, I've it, yeah, I haven't seen it either. But it, it was cast by Manuel Puro. 
uh-huh. was uh, talked. Uh, we learned about him via the Emma, the uh, spotlight uh, girl that came two years ago. Uh, Manuel Puro, who just started the uh, 21 days uh, self-tape challenge, uh-huh. which sounds quite nice. Like you would... Uh, receive a te- um, some text every day and self-tape and get feedback from the community of all of the actors that are doing the self-taping and every day for 21 days. So you keep the, it's called the acting habit. That is such a good idea. We started that around the time we left ACS actually. Oh, it's perfect. Oh, he was also in Iron Man 2, Sam Rockwell. Ah. Yeah. Frost Nixon. Oh. Everywhere. Um, he, he was very good. He is um, as he is in Frost Nixon. He is the researcher that really wants yeah. to nail Nixon, and then yeah. the, and the later on in the film, it's like, why did you not? He's like, I'm not going to shake his hand. Yeah, and then he shakes Nixon's no, hand. No, he's, he's very good. He's the most evil man in the world. I'm not um, going to shake his hand. Now, now it's funny because trying to identify the protagonist in a film every time, uh, the idea, what I understood was that's the character who has the biggest journey from mm. beginning to end. Uh, and with that in mind, I think I think Dixon has a bigger journey than the actual protagonist. Uh, I totally agree. Uh, Mildred. I think they both do. I think his um, his change is more apparent. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously we'll get into the ending of the film, but it leaves um, uh, Mildred's character with a very like difficult position, essentially. Um, yeah. Okay. She does she change? Absolutely, she does change. Um, yeah, is it is apparent? Right, that's another right. question. Okay, let's do a bit. Uh, some other actors I wanted to single out: um, Caleb Landry Jones, who is Red, the the ad guy. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen either American Made. Or Get Out. Yeah, Get Out, probably. In Get Out, he's the brother. Mm-hmm. Mm. And in American Mate, he's also a brother. His, I mean, there's everything with his face, is what he transpires, whatever. When you look at him, he looks like he, he would play perfectly like people, rotten, rotten people. And all the characters, <laughs> except in, in that movie. But the two other movies, American Mate and Get Out, is just like rotten guys like ah, really that's, that's perfect casting yeah. oh is American made that Tom Cruise movie yeah yeah, yeah very, oh yeah. Uh, yeah yeah he's yeah. also in uh, Antiviral I don't know I don't know what that is. Um, it's a basically about um, it, it, I saw it years ago in Paris funnily enough but in English uh, as it should be about people being able to inject beauty and keep their oh keep their beauty but it goes wrong and and I think it's it's good. I think he got cast in it because he kind of has that very sickly pallor to him because he's like ginger and he's really like translucent pale. Yes. I don't know yeah. why, but that reminds me of the plot of the Catwoman movie. Oh. Which is like the villain makes this like, she owns a beauty company and creates like this anti-wrinkle cream that turns people's faces to stone. Oh, wow. That's okay. really, really weird. Mm. I think that's the plot. There are other things that happen. Right. Uh, Peter Dinklage. Which, uh, the date moment, you know, he said, yeah, that's why he's uh, Peter Dinklage. He was in uh, both, so uh, that doesn't happen very often, but one of the best uh, masterclass in exposition, I talked about that from some from time to time, uh, Death at a Funeral, mm. where Andy Nyman and Alan Tudyk were also. Uh, he was in the original and also in the remake, the Chris Rock remade uh, movie, which is uh, wow. quite uncommon, I think. Yeah. yeah. And Nick saw Alan Tudyk for the first time in the flesh. Uh, the other week because we watched uh, Saving Private Ryan right? and he's in that not in the flesh yeah I heard 
<laughs> I saw Yandere's prick up. That oh, I didn't oh, actually see. As opposed to a voice. Sorry. <laughs> right. Right. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because I've been trying to make sure you see him in the, in the UK for a while. Yeah. No, no, um, no. Abby Cornish, who is um, Anne, Chief Willoughby's wife, who was in <laughs> that's. <laughs> A movie that I loved, but it's for the wrong reasons. Uh, Sucker Punch. She was one of the. Oh, was she? <laughs> oh God. Yes, uh, Samara Weaving, Hugo Weaving's niece, which doesn't have anything to do with anything, oh, okay. but uh, Penelope, the nineteen-year-old uh, girlfriend. Oh, okay. She was in Ash, also Ash versus Evil, uh, which we'll have to watch before we we remake. Oh, our, of course. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, she, you were wondering if she was from Canada. She's actually from Australia, and but she had a childhood in Fiji, Singapore, and Indonesia. As you do. So I'm pretty sure she's good with accents, anyway. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Yeah, she's she definitely had some some accent that I couldn't pinpoint, but um. And one last singling out, but it's weird because you know sometimes you are credited as a fan or that guy or whatever, mm. or like Samuel L. Jackson was one of his first movies was a black guy, like um, Brendan Sexton III, the um, crop haired guy was the uh, credit crop haired guy. He's the um, potential rapist murderer. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't ever get a name. He was. When I, it's funny because when you know you've seen someone on the screen, you haven't seen him in a very, very long time. And I struggled, so I went to check. He was in Empire Records, which is one of the movies I could like by heart. Like, I, I love could. that film. And, I saw uh, it once. He's Warren, the the guy who's stealing in the shop, and is his. Really. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's so weird how actors come back around. Oh right. Great cast. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. Some old um, old friends. So um, let's talk about some of the writing in there. Uh, about I, uh, yeah. people of color torturing. Oh, oh <laughs> it was so... Pa- Do you know what I loved about this film as well? That people that don't usually have a platform, like black women, uh, the little person, little people, little people, is that the... He describes himself in there, the dwarf or midget, but yeah, small... Dwarf I don't... I, yeah, I don't know. It's like... Uh, we, it's uh, the same kind of question as the one we had with Maddie, which will come out at some point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I think I think you're supposed to say little person. That's what I heard. Anyway, um, if that it's they not, kind of had if like. It's, if it's not, we're incredibly sorry. I'll just call him uh, Peter. Peter Dinklage. Yeah. But no, yeah. but I, I just mean that that they had like a, a moment where they could talk. Do you know what I mean? Like they had a platform to say, actually, this is what I think, and I think in many films even if they are as progressive as they are they don't have that time where they let that person speak and that's what i quite liked about those moments they were like Mm. even that joke with the whole you know oh she said the n-word she's not allowed to say that you're supposed to say colors (laughs) yeah in a context she said n n murder and uh, torturing department you have to say it's colored racist or when of color or when um yeah any chief when the new chief comes, when the new chief comes in, and he's like, "Don't you crackers have something else to do?" And he's like, oh, "It's not racist." Yeah, it's like, well, yeah, the new chief, which I didn't realize the first time actually, um, that he actually saw him 
beat red. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I just. I was just like he. He said, "Yeah, I was busy throwing someone out of the window." It was what? That's a bit extreme from the chief to fire him like this. Just, but yeah, I actually saw him, so mm. I didn't yeah, yeah, catch yeah, that the yeah. first time. Yeah, so it's big. It was quite nicely kind of breadcrumbed in, like oh yeah, dear, everything. He, you don't the, see the yeah. billboards right away. Yeah, and you see the last, the first, last whatever. At he, here's the, yeah. the difference when you get somebody that writes plays as well as films, right? You get things in there that don't further the narrative, but they they're there and they totally work and they make it a bigger picture. I mean, ma'am, it's the same, you know, how you can talk about anything and, and the underlying subtext is always there. This is, that's what you mean. The whole, you know, it's nice that people got a platform. It's just well-written. I mean, yeah. the essential plot is here's some billboards. Let's find the guy who raped and murdered my daughter. But along the way, we get a whole, we get a filled in picture of the town, the people in it, who, what they feel, what side they're on. You know, there's a whole, whole feel and a whole fought out and created world for this one film also the the chief dies at some point and he continues to further the story with letters yeah so that's <laughs> oh, cool. incredible it was, so, it was so good especially because after he died you'd kind of think oh god everything's going to go to shit now because um he was kind of the only one in the police force that seemed to kind of give a shit about anything and actually it went the other way around because of him, it was mm. like through his letters, he was able to change Sam Rockwell's character Dixon's um, into a nicer guy, and he made yeah. mm. uh, oh, what's her name? The main character. Yeah, uh, uh, Mildred. Mildred yeah. um, smile and be nicer, and yeah, you know the very nice moment, and I because we don't always watch movies together for this, but we did for this one. So I watch also, uh, you, I, I know from Adam that it's entertaining to watch a nook uh, while we watch movies. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. That was a very good acting moment, which uh, I also reacted to uh, because if you don't put in the work and you, you just don't care, you won't be doing that. When uh, Dixon is uh, going to have a smoke outside and is the, there's the flame and as he's just been burnt badly, he's like, okay, it's like, well, he, 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 some random like non-dedicated actors could have just like had a you know a, a cigarette, but he was clearly in there. Yeah, as a as I a loved that. as a as a burn victim, Nick, do you have that still? Do you have anything that you flinch immediately to? Yeah, water. <laughs> Hot water. Yeah, water. No, any any running water. Anyone running water. Yeah, it makes me kind of liquids just makes me nervous a little bit i can feel it so that's the thing with acting like there are little minute things that if you don't do your research you'll miss like that is totally something you'll miss it's w well documented that you know it's a smart business i would say also mm. it's like, like uh, you could have yeah, yeah anybody anybody can act anyone can get up and read out some lines and throw some tactics on it but it takes real dedication skill and care and love to like nail roles and nail like those small details that you would never notice, but if they weren't there, you would notice them. Yeah. You know what I mean? That sort of, it needs to be there, but it will be unnoticed sort of aspects. There is a theatre quote I will remember forever from Oscar Wilde Shakespeare. Um, You've got a real nice cock, Mr. Willoughby. <laughs> <laughs> for, an in for an innocent moment, I thought, oh, is Martin McDowell put one of his own quotes in his own movies? Like, ah, that's from a play somewhere. Ah, the... It's from The Pillow Man or In Bruges <laughs> in cinemas it's on DVD available at your local convenience. Um, but no, it wasn't. It was just a well-written you know, play on words. <laughs> a well-written play on words. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In one of the previous episodes, we were trying to narrow down a ton of phrase that you were saying often. 
I don't know if you remember. Oh, and, for on the podcast, I say it all the time. Yes, yes. And we didn't narrow it down. Um, it's probably not the same, but um, Willoughby in this one says something quite often, which I realized that was the thing I was thinking about that you are saying often that I've never heard that much before. And this is a case of time ah. type of, uh, yeah, I've never heard uh, that turn of phrase that much before um, you, but it's it must have been like in the last 10 episodes or something. Ah, ah it's funny. Speaking of mm. phrases, Anouk, you didn't know what the buck stops here meant. Yeah, I thought she meant that like the buck in the sense of money stops at the chief because because he's getting a lot of money. He's like not caring about actual cases. He's just getting paid. That's how I took that. But my, underst- my understanding of that metaphor is a metaphor, right? It would be a metaphor because it's not as in like, so it's not a simile. I would say it's a metaphor. For, for, yeah. Um, is the f- It's to do with like when you're trying to master horse riding and it like bucks you off all the time. Like the buck stops here is when like, right, this stops and this, we, the, I'm, we're in control now sort of thing. I think that's where that phrase originates from. But that's probably mm. just guesswork. <laughs> it, it makes sense to me. That's where I would say it would come from. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what like what what scenes kind of jump out at you? Because the the one scene that I keep replaying in my head is when he coughs the blood in her face. I thought that was just so beautifully timed and done, and it was just so it was so chilled out. Like I don't know, it was so easy. I don't mean this as an insult, theatery. Yeah, it was almost a bit much, but not. And the sense of like, you know, when a scene needs to have a turning point, there needs to be something new happens. There you go. No, and, also and it's the, in. And there's a it, new thing in the room. It furthers then our understanding of the relation of these two people, how she reacts to that, even though she just put the billboard yeah. with her name. And uh, so, yeah, it was, uh, I, that's, a, that's a very good moment. And uh, indeed. Yeah, that's true, actually, how she says, oh, no, baby, I understand. Like, uh, let me help you. Rather than, oh, fuck you, I don't need this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. One of my favourite moments came from the, the hair and makeup team, actually. It was the scene where we have the flashback with the daughter, which is the only time we have a flashback with the daughter in the entire movie. Uh, uh, you see Mildred with like this a totally different hairstyle. Like it's fully coloured, it's blonde, it's it's free-flowing. And then when we go back to Mildred again, you just you now notice that it's more mousy. Like it's always been that from the start of the film. But until you see what it looks like before, you realise this how much this has changed somebody. And I, I it goes back to Alien. You know, I always say with Aliens, like it's amalgam. You know, all the teams come together. It's when teams come together and you makes you see a bigger picture. Like the hair and makeup team really nailed the the flashback to going there. And then, and again, the editing team to make me jump straight in to notice the hair, all this sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The prosthetics as well. I mean, the 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 needle going into the nail was really well done. Yeah. Like, oh, I yeah. believed yeah, it. The dentist, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. The fat dentist. And it didn't seem... one a crazy lady. It didn't seem gratuitous, which was nice as well, because I think sometimes it's like, oh, did you really need to show that? It wasn't like that. It was... Yeah, it, like a saw trap or something. I, in my... I think Mildred is a beautiful character in the... I don't know if you've ever seen... I think it's called Falling Down with Michael Douglas. No. I think, yeah, La Chute in front. Uh, no, La Chute is the Adolf Hitler. Um, well, anyway, he's on the in his car and everything is annoying. He can't move and he just loses it. He's just, it, just, just screw everyone. I'll just leave. And he, he just, uh, he becomes like no filter. Like he just loses a part of his brain that is like oh, telling you like, no, don't do this. Don't do this. And he does everything. This goes nuts. Yes. And this one, he's no filter, like hitting students in the nuts or the n- non-nuts uh, for the girl. 
Uh, oh, the this the. Do you know what we used to call that at school? I won't say it because it's an incredibly bad word, and it's one of the my least, the you know, the favorite or favorite or least favorite swear words. You remember with Paul, it's one of the words you should never say to a female. Yeah. Um, at school, I remember that being called a sea punt. Sea punt. As in the word sea punt. Uh huh. Yeah. No, no, I understand. Yeah. That's what I knew that, and we were like, "Oh Jesus!" Yeah, that it. I, I I quite liked how she didn't change the thing for for women. It was just like Equality. each one of you. Well, it wasn't even it wasn't even that. It was just <laughs> that she as a as she as a woman she would know that that is also painful for yeah, women. Of course, yeah. <laughs> Which was funny because usually it's not seen in films where you know the woman gets kicked in that area. Yeah. Um, but well, it was it was even more brutal. Mm. To Definitely. watch, like her yeah. doing it to a girl. It I will. Like... I, I immediately went, ooh. <laughs> I don't, usually blokes do that when you see a guy get hit in the nuts, but that's usually like a wince. But when you see it to a, a woman, you go, oh, God, because you, you don't see it. it kind just, of you never see it. Mm-hmm. About, about that C word, did you see in theatres the Iron Brew oh, ad? Don't be a cant. Yeah, that's, a cant. If, if you're not aware of the accents and the spellings and everything, it was just like, yeah, don't be a cant. Yeah. <laughs> you can't. What? <laughs> yeah, it was it was great. Um, that was my reaction. briefly touching on uh, moments of madness in cinema. Uh, my favorite one and my dad's favorite one actually is from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Um, there's a great scene. You can look up the individual scene yourself because it doesn't ruin the movie. Um, it's when he goes to get a rent a car and he walks. He gets the bus all the way out there to find that his car isn't in the space. Every other car is there, but his one is not. And he loses it, like throws the paper on the ground walks all the way back like misses the bus to get back to the de- like the the hertz renter room sort of place he has to walk across a motorway and down these slopes and he's like covered in mud and eventually he gets back to the desk and the woman's on the phone and she's like just like being all happy and cheery like oh i'm looking forward to thanksgiving gobble 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 and he just like loses it and he goes i want a fucking and he just keeps going and going that one scene changed the film from like a 12 to a 15 right because it was the use of the 15 f-bombs in one scene right and it's just beautiful i won't ruin the punchline but that is definitely going just type in trains planes and automobiles um rent rent a car scene or gobble 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 as well that'll work Mm -hmm. Uh, it's fantastic acting by Steve Martin. It's 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 amazing. Well done. The, the the way Mildred goes at the church uh, police and it's just it's just yeah that's the kind of stuff you you have in your head uh, the the angel or devil or whatever they're battling in your head and you don't you don't see you you have filters she has no filters. Question for uh, you two: Do you think that that when she has that great scene with the priest, which is the first case of excellent writing in this film, you're like oh this this is going to be good uh, when she talks about um if you're all culpable for the, the death, so forth, if you were a crib or a blood. Do you think that the priest was up to stuff? Or do you think the, or am I just reading too much subtext and being an actor? I didn't, I didn't notice that. I didn't think, I didn't even think about that. I was just thinking that, um, that that's the whole thing that she's taking to the police. Like, it doesn't matter if there's only one bad egg, you've joined the group, so. Well, we didn't watch this one on the, oh. on the big screen, so we didn't. Notice. I've, I've just uh, had a major revelation by you just saying that. That's the through line of the entire movie. Oh. If one person does something, you're all culpable. That's why they go off to kill the other guy, even though he he isn't the one that raped and killed her daughter. He did it. I didn't even spot that. Did everyone else see that? 
Ah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> penny drops over here. Oh dear, Adam, come Glenn on! You're, you're on a movie reviewing, not reviewing. We're on a movie discussion podcast, and you didn't even notice the through line. Come on, son. Yeah, but yeah, and they they also yeah are not sure if it's the good thing to do. Uh, yeah. because that's it's always like if uh, we talked about it multiple times here. If something if someone is terrible uh, in his stuff he does, but does great uh, art or whatever. Uh, are you liking the artist uh, very much and just despising the the man yeah. or just dismissing the person com- entirely? Can you imagine how... Is this diff- a hint on Hitler? No, I was about to go here. No, no, no. Um, not necessarily. I was about to make the joke that um, the history would be so much, so much more complex if Mein Kampf was like an excellent book. Like if that was like a, literally pe- a literal piece of art, like it was phenomenal writing... That would totally change the context. Well, not really, because it doesn't outweigh the good, but it would then give the most evil one of the most evil men in history. Like, yeah, he did this, but this is beautiful. If, we, if he didn't exist, that doesn't exist. But luckily for everyone and everyone involved, that Mein Kampf is absolutely terrible and it's an illiterate read. I was thinking I've never read it, but I know people that have, and so it's like it's it's dire. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about a guy called Celine. Louis Ferdinand Céline, who was a very mass, like a literature genius, and he wrote some of the, the uh, some stuff about Jews quite uh, intense. Uh, but as Adam, as we said a few mm-hmm. times, Adam was like, you can't really judge in retrospect, uh, yes, because it, yeah. you, you're not there and whatever. But uh, most people, those are some people who really like his work, literature work, and who will despise the actual guy very much and some will just ignore whatever is done in his life i mean walt disney right yeah walt but walt disney the thing is that it depends on where you lean in the so if you think that it's more um moral to steal something from a rich person than the poor that's it it should be it should it should be an issue both of them the thing about walt disney from what i understand is that he was an entrepreneur and in his view he didn't understand why all his employees were not as focused on the job as he was. Mm. So he was doing like 24 hours a day and it was just, it, it didn't even cross his mind why all of his employees wanted vacation. And so and that's that's uh, what I understand from the Disney about the work thing. I don't know anything about anything else. I've mm. never actually read this stuff about, he says, I know that everyone says he's an anti-Semite, but I've never read it because I've never because you know when you hear one of these these statements like oh he was you just immediately assume like okay he must be but you never I for some people you never look into it. I'd be quite interested to look into what has been said and well the thing in France particularly is that if whatever the way if you're not a Jew whatever the way you talk about the Holocaust and everything you will be seen weirdly um, one of the best shows I've seen lately and that's very hard hitting on the non PC and uh, humanity. Ricky Gervais' Humanity, that's his special on yeah. Netflix. And his, he says it in, also in interviews, um, the thing in France, you can't even joke about the Jews if you're not Jew. There is no like, well, it depends about the Jews. No, 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 you just can't say anything. Is that true? In France, yes. If wow. You, I mean, in France, if uh, you not even deny or if you emit doubts on the um, Nuremberg trials conclusions, mm. 
you you there is legislations which makes it that you can do time term in prison wow that's mental wow and it i could, did not know that it could be just symbolic and but there, there was a guy who actually did a year in prison uh, oh my god yeah i mean the ricky gervais he goes at the um, transgender because there was a thing with Kathleen jenner at some point so he addresses that in his special mm. and he's that was an interesting point in that special I won't be. I'm, I'm not all the way through it. I need to be. In the, I love. I love the original podcast with Ricky Gervais. I'm quite. A, I do like his other one as well. The deadly serious that's going on right now. I like that too. Um, Stand up specials. I've always been a bit like. I'm not sure, but I think it's because I have. To, I've. I've talked about this as well. Um, you have to be in the mood for something. And I think Netflix has that issue sometimes that you have to be in the mood for either the show you're watching or the comedy stand up. Like. I worked as an usher and I know for a fact that any usher, any usher will tell you that audiences that go and see comedy shows will enjoy it regardless. If an audience saw exactly the same show, one was sitting at home watching it on television and one was sitting in an auditorium in a theatre, the one, 100% or the higher majority of the people in the theatre will laugh and enjoy it because they're there to see it, they're in the mood, they know what they're getting. I think comedy specials on Netflix are, ama are amazing and really funny but you have to be in the right mindset. And I've not been in the right mindset to sit there and watch the whole special, so I'm not going to judge if I think it's funny or not. Yeah, I think Ricky Gervais likes to go overboard. And especially nowadays when it's like you, there are so many PC police out there, you can't say anything without offending someone. Um, but actually, Ricky Gervais is the one person that talks about that. Mm. You know, he'll like go on talk shows and he'll talk about it and he'll say, look, I don't care if you're offended. That's got nothing to do with what I'm doing in my job. And you've probably completely misunderstood my joke. Which is interesting because that's basically what jokes are. Yeah. Yes, and also most of the time he's misquoted. So like he's writing every effect, every second, every pause, comic timing and everything. And he's misquoted, they remove some yeah, words and course. it becomes, uh, because it goes out but wrongly and it becomes, yeah, a bit racist or a bit transphobic. But what the thing is that we, you can't laugh about certain matters, which is insane. Uh, mm. He talks about rape in his special. A uh, woman who, because he, to Twitter, who said, no, you can't joke about rape. That's insane. Well, it depends on the joke. We're <laughs> not, we're not, la we're not saying, he's not saying that rape is a laughing matter. He says that there are some jokes which act as really comic relief or whatever mm -hmm. that are not encouraging rape in any way. Uh, anyway. I think people immediately assume if you joke about rape, then you find rape not a serious thing yeah i think like that's also, the confusion that people yeah, yeah. have so absolutely rape is not funny so rape is funny then no that's not the point you missed the whole yeah exactly and his i think his his other point is that if you're making jokes about it you're making jokes at the expense of people that actually rape i think yeah he's, there's a massive or difference. who is racist or transphobic the, the yeah. caitlin jenner thing i think that's actually really important to joke about things like that because it makes fun of people that are actually transphobic and I think media and social it justice like warriors, <laughs> they give intentions to people. Mm, so he's talking course. like this uh, about right. He must, he must himself be a rapist or, or love rape or yeah, yeah. like when it does like, uh, no, nobody laughs about rape. You know, the, the report from the girl is, yeah. So I see, I saw him, it was a uh, tall blonde and, uh, it was approaching me, and then he said, "I'm going to rape you." And I was giggling. No, that never happened. I actually, yeah. I actually remember there was a comedian when I worked as an usher. That loads of it was exclusively women. I saw about four or five women walk out in outrage. Um, that what this guy was saying. I believe it was. I want to say Pete or something, but I can't remember off the top of my head. I'd have to look it up. But um, 
I might have been Patrick Davidson. Peter Davidson. Peter Davidson, I think it was. It was the Doctor. Not that one. Ah, no. okay. There's a, com- there's a comedian that was at the Edinburgh Playhouse a couple of years ago, and there were people walking out. He's like, it's so offensive. I've, I wasn't doing, like, the inside ushering, so I didn't see the show, so I don't know. But I'm like, it's I, some people don't look into what they're going to go and see. You know, yeah. You got if you find that if, that's the thing, like people, oh, he's a stand up. He must be funny, or they come along with a partner. It's like, oh, I really like this comedian, and they go and they're like, oh my god, this is so offensive. I don't like this. It's like you. It's a responsibility on anybody that watches anything, right? To look into it before you watch it. It's like a lot of videos. Like the following footage contains scenes that Mike's find distressing. You know, like that whole jargon, and people go, I'll watch it anyway. But and then you don't, you don't have the right to be. Annoyed if you were distressed because yeah. there was a warning. Right? Yeah, and also given you, the warning. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, 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 yeah. They go for the shock factor. But shows uh, shouldn't uh, have to do that. And yeah, it's uh, yeah. Like uh, if you want consensual, there is a special that just appeared. Um, um, I talked about this in my um, parallel podcast uh, about. Um, he's called. Yeah, I'm shitting on you. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, Uncle Bill's uh, gazebo. Well, no one is listening, so it's. Uh, uh, but it's just on anchor. That's why. Um, so yeah, there's a French comedian, uh, Gad Elmaleh, who was uh, born in Morocco and French comedian. He's, he was the top uh, comedian in France for a while, and he's he's a performer. Really juggles uh, well music and guitar and everything. And he just came to Netflix with two specials: one in French and one in English. And the English one, uh, uh, just as the French, is very consensual, and it's very nice because it relates to. Um, so he came to live in the U.S. and he, he he gives all the differences like accent and the words and stuff. So it's very. Uh, I, I, even though he's uh, has a habit of uh, um, laughing at his own jokes, which is a matter of uh, annoyance in France, but he doesn't do that much in his English uh, special, mm. and it's a very. Um, as a uh, French guy coming in an English country, uh, it's it, I relate a lot, and it's very very funny. Uh, it will probably help you understand a bit more some of my struggles uh, watching it. Uh, it's called uh, Gad Elmaleh American Dream on, okay. on Netflix. Yeah, uh, I think I think I've seen. Uh, does he do one in Arabic as well? Uh, no, that's another guy he, who does the uh, no this no no. Oh okay. Yeah. Okay, also yeah, from uh, also f- no he's from uh, yeah I've seen the start of this one but that's not the same guy. Who oh, does okay the okay okay because there's also one that's like he talks about um, th- th- uh, being in America and how kind of weird it is and difficult before we jump back into the movie i'll just make a point if if we did an ep we well for example i know we're going to do an episode in the future on subject a film that contains something very graphic um we will talk about in the future uh gasper no way yeah uh, irreversible yes uh for episodes like that obviously we will put a disclaimer at the start of the episode just to be sure but i think would it's like when you listen to something would you look that thing up before because I have an example when I didn't. I had seen the trailer for Human Centipede, right? Mm. And now playing podcast, I used to listen to all the time when I was a teenager, right? And they had a special on that. And I was like, I don't I don't know. And at the start of their episode, they spend about <laughs> 10, 15 minutes going like, look, guys, this is not safe for work, like reassuring. And I'm like, we have to do that as entertainment because we never know who's going to click on. Like if, if a, an eight-year-old lets, listens to that Gasper Noe special, like I don't, you know, what that contains. 
I'll, I'll, I'll put explicit. Of course. I, I put yeah. explicit yeah. Uh, whenever there is a, a curse word or mm. when the theme, uh, obviously, uh, all the train spotting ones were uh, explicit. So we'd only, what I mean is, we'd only ever do that if we know the film and the subject matter of the episode is extreme. But up to there, I think audiences are clever enough to work out if they should listen to this or not. Hard candy will be a hard one also. Oh, yes. Of course, yeah. If I'm offended by something, I look at myself more rather than outwardly saying, you made me watch this. That's bullshit. You completely have the right to do whatever the fuck you want. I'm swearing a lot. I'm sorry. It's what artists do. It's like, yeah, well, yeah. I, um, it's our job to why, highlight these So things. then I'd be like, why am I offended? Why does that offend me? Oh, it's not because of what he's saying. It's because people don't talk about women's issues as much as they should. Mm. That's why those women are walking out because he's making fun of something that women have to deal with, but it's not his problem. Your problem is you can't look inside yourself, say, oh, I'm offended because society doesn't allow women to speak. That's completely different to what this guy is joking it's about. Like, it's like, um, I just thought of an idea, going back on the whole people saying rape isn't funny. Like, if there's a difference between somebody making a rape joke and somebody going, look, you were raped. Ha 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 ha, I'm pointing and laughing. Like, in the second case of, like, the pointing and laughing, A, the comedian is bad because he's laughing at that person. And also the people laughing with the comedian are bad because they're laughing at that because the joke is not a joke it's a joke at somebody else mm. i don't think a comedian i i've seen yet has been clever enough to write a joke that makes somebody in a lesser situation the butt of the joke but the joke is to highlight people that laugh at that the only guy i've seen close is when we were at the fringe and i laughed at something and the guy went that wasn't the joke yet and i'm like that's a great point like comedian, can comedians structure something to highlight issues inside other people? I know people in film do that. Yeah, you haven't watched the whole special, but he he does he, he do that? He talks about rape, uh, Ricky Gervais, and okay. he does. I am feeling it does something like this. Yes. Okay, yeah. I'll, yes. I'll finish or, the special then. Or it's an interview or something, but okay. uh, yeah. So let's to jump back in the film. I have just uh, Chiquitita, you and I know That's that was great. it. Yeah. Great, great, um, great scene. I um from the very start you. So the music was obviously composed, most of it. Mm. Um, the actual theme for the film and everything. I I, lo- I think it was, uh, well, it was not too present, not getting you out of anything. And those little touches, like with the scene with the ABBA, uh, were great. Do you have any highlight or reflections on the soundtrack? I liked how, um, and I think that that go, um, connects to the fact that he's a playwright as well. Martin McDonough. Um, (laughs) I hope I'm getting his name right. Um, Because he he plays with um, the audience knowing something that, you know, dramatic irony, basically, where the audience knows something that the character doesn't. And you almost want to shout at him to say, turn around, turn, like, but like a pantomime, but <laughs> he's got his, uh, and you don't know if he'll make it out alive or, you know, you don't know what's about to happen. And I think that's a very theatrical thing to do. Mm. Um, and, uh, and I mean, also just the color scheme. It was just very pretty to watch, like the fire behind him. <laughs> it was just like very pretty. I think the thing um, that most got me with the soundtrack was near the very end, um, it actually triggered me to think the film is wrapping up here. It's like the one of the last pieces of music when we get like a lot of like a banjo and like slide guitar and all these southern sounding music. And it just made me think I'm like, yeah, southern music is it's a lot of the time is confused with country western music, you know, like 
hey now where's my horse that sort of like sort of except except country western music has changed from like into have you ever heard modern day country music now i've I've, Um, well country music don't don't our friend donna um from we used to love a song called um wagon wheel which is a very good like very country sort of feel which is a very excellent song um but modern day like country western music is really weird now um it's like half uh what's the right word it's like half pop half i think it's called country rock or country mm. pop i think that might be the subcategory i'm totally wrong there but it's like um that you know that one it's like i've i probably should not that one it's like i've had a lot to drink and i probably shouldn't drink because i might get off with this girl when my girl's back at home sort of thing like it's all very feels, Love it. feels very fratty almost like mm-hmm. fortunity that sort of thing but, um but it was nice to hear music that would you could attribute to more than just country music it was uncategorized it was just these instruments that are famous from the south like slide guitar banjo like I like Leonard Skinner, which is very much a South band, you know, like they always... Well, I mean, they have the Confederate flag yeah, behind course. them. Yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, so there are a lot of bands, Just it just reminded me of that sort of music. I'm like, yeah, there are more, there's more int- intricacies is the best word to like, yeah. sovereign music. It's, no, it's not just somebody with a banjo going, yeah, give me another bag of the moon. I've turned I mean, into Mr. Hankey from South Park there. I mean, I made that point with Black Panther that it was nice that they actually brought kind of African style music mm. and instruments and singers and also fashion designers. Like yeah. uh, I read this article that quite a lot of the things that they actually used were from Africa and, and the designers were African and had like, um, things that were actually in African tribes and stuff. And I thought that was really nice. And it's the same in this film where it's not so in your face, mm. but it's got kind of subtle things that bring your awareness of some somewhere else, you know, into your mind, which is nice, I think. Um, Should we go into the rating or something? Yeah. You feel? Do you want to go back on the, the conversation we had at the beginning about the protagonist then? Because we can now talk about the end that we're at the end of the episode. Yes, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, make your, go on then. Explain, make your point for um, Dixon being the protagonist. Well, because I had the feeling that, so it was a transformational um, journey that he had, completely transformational from a guy who was clearly addicted to beating um, black dudes and who was clearly... Uh, under his mother's, you know, we had something weird with his mother, to uh, actually getting to the point where he's actually genuinely caring about people. And, you know, there's something that you would never have seen him do at the start when he's in the hospital or when he, you can see his all his fragility and openness when he's talking to Mildred about the this guy that he took some uh, DNA from, and uh, he, I he did a great job, uh, Sam Rockwell. Surely the last time I saw him again was in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the guy with two heads and everything. So obviously that's uh, the bit of a jump into the excellent direction, and he won an, he won an Oscar for it. So that's quite good. Um, you know, I think it was heavily transformation transformational, which I don't feel. Uh, was for uh, Mildred. Mm. I th- as I said in the beginning, I think it's to do with a pat- obvious change. Um, it's very seeable his change from this racist cop to a, a 
more open and more willing to ch- see both sides of an argument case. Um, for Mildred, I think she she definitely has a journey. Um, we should clarify for protagonists when we talk about when you do script analysis, we we understand the idea of you figure out who the protagonist is and who the antagonist is and what what do they want throughout the film. What obstacles did they face to getting that want? And then finally, how does the journey change them? If we do that for Dixon, totally works. You're, you're right. And his obstacles are equally... They're each other's antagonist, in a sense. But I do believe that both of them are protagonists, hence why the film ends with both of them. Because you can't not answer or give a conclusion to either one of them. There has to be a resolution for both characters of the film would feel it loses something. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she changes because her journey is the fact that she is so willing to sacrifice anything to get this answer. She starts the film with this military-esque line of investigation. Like, I am going to get to the bottom of this, regardless of who I hurt. And as she goes along, she has people that she has to fight against. But I think the most apparent one is... A, her son and his reaction. I think that's one of the first turns she has is like seeing how he is reacting with school and all that. And then we have the change as well when Dixon gets involved to help her. Like as well as like, maybe maybe I'll never get this answer, but there are, I have to let people help me. Like there's a very much mentality. She wants to be on her own. She wants to do it herself. Fuck everyone else. I'm going to do it. And as the film goes along, I think one of the turning points for her is that conversation with the deer. I think that's a very important moment in that film. It's one of the scenes that people could go, why is that there? But I think it's very important to her because I think that's the beginning of the, 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 the foreshadowing that we might not ever know, really. Yeah, it's yeah. She starts by ha- hating everyone, and then she lets people in. Uh, mm. Yeah, well, in, yeah. In terms of change, you would also argue then. Yeah, Chief Willoughby has the most radical change because he starts alive and he ends up dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, in terms of yeah, yeah. I, yeah, and especially the the fact that they end up together at the end. I yeah. think both yeah. of them have to be a protagonist. Whether the story, it doesn't make a difference who. And they both you as a viewer, if you choose one as the other, I think both of them are personally. And they both got the Oscar. <laughs> yes, virtually. Yeah, yeah. I think, and it's kind of mo- totally deserved. I mean, my thing, is, I think the most important scene for her transformation, especially, was um, the scene with the wine bottle. It looks so much like she's mm. about to uh, yeah. hit him over the head with it, and she gives it to them to drink together and probably get drunk and you know go home together. Go home. Well, yeah have a relationship together yeah that's yeah yeah that's also a good a very good storytelling standpoint where you don't see you you already in your head you see her bashing the heads with a bottle (laughs) and again it's to do with the the angle of the shot as well because the shot is of her holding the bottle from the the neck yeah you know when you hand somebody a bottle you hold the bottom of the glass like the thicker part because she's holding the top you think she's just going to turn that over and smack it yeah Exactly. As well, the other thing in this, the movie that I really appreciated is Deep Three with Peter Dinklage. We have a Deep Three, which is two characters' legs, and Peter Dinklage is in the middle of the Deep Three. Um, a Deep Three for listeners is, I think we explained it before. Uh, if you, <laughs> we, we, me, Nuke and Jan are in a Deep Three. If you ever watched the video podcast, it was from one angle. Uh, when we're sitting on each side, that's technically a Deep Three. It's not totally a deep three but it could be argued as a deep three it's when three people are on screen and they're one in the middle and then two on each uh, side which is way way um farther 
Yes, that's yeah. Still, yeah, yeah. And uh, so they all fit in the same the same picture, yeah. essentially. Yeah, uh, we in during the uh, ACS time we illustrated the smaller bits of the structure about the plus minus plus minus plus minus mm. with the Nemo, and in here it's perfectly. It's like it's go. It goes like up down up down yes, up down up down. Yes, story structure. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's perfect. Really. Yeah, and it makes sense. It's not like kind of as I was saying earlier, like gratuitous. Like it's not too much it's not it's it just seems very fluid and understandable and you know it's not too in your face which i mm. quite liked about it you could argue that her journey is from trusting from not trusting the cops to trusting them or i i actually think it's letting people in i think she shuts people out and then eventually yeah. lets them in yeah. we've got peter dinklage going on the date his ending of that date is like i cho- i i didn't come you know i i held, i didn't have to come and hold that ladder but i did What's one of my favourite lines, actually? Um, that seems like sweet. I mean, that scene with Peter Dinklage. I just turned to everyone and went, "Well, and that's why Peter Dinklage makes the big bucks," <laughs> which is a joke from Ricky Gervais as well. Actually, it's like that's why Netflix pays me the big bucks. Mm-hmm. Is a uh, one of Ricky Gervais's. Yeah, but yeah, serious FX, uh, serious XM gave him a big buck to do his um, daily series. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and, like, and, and uh, offer he couldn't refuse. Mm. So yeah, millions and stuff. So that's cool. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> like you don't have to care about PC and what. Or yeah, it's no. it, that's cool. Um, should we try to have a go at the ratings then? Yeah, why not? Yes. So Anouk Jan was. Three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Good, bad, or just plain standard? Do I even have to ask? <laughs> I think. Uh, I mean, does it, is it legendary? Uh, I think. I might have to see it again. <laughs> I think in the case of Black Panther, it's too soon to see. I definitely think yeah. it's up there. Yes, that's uh, exactly what where I am standing. It's uh, not legendary for me because it's too recent, so it didn't have time to affect me on the long run. Mm. Like, but uh, Empire Records, we talked about. This one is legendary because it's... It stayed with you. It's Yeah. 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 But uh, this one, for me, is very high up in the good. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, very, very oh, yeah. high up in the good. Masterpiece? <sighs> masterpiece. We haven't given anything a masterpiece yet. I, I've just kind of added it to the... Well, I had an idea for Masterpiece, um... If we ever talk about a certain series, I won't spoil what the series is because we will talk about it at some point because obviously there's a fourth one coming out next year. Yeah, so do I. Okay. (laughs) Uh, If listeners can work that out. Um, That that series at the moment is currently a masterpiece and with that fourth one, that that might change that status if it's not as good. Anyway. Mm. All right, I'll spoil it. We're talking about Toy Story, right? We'll get into it later. I honestly Mm. believe that the series one, two, and three of Toy Story make it that series a masterpiece because all three of them are are legendary for different reasons, right? And there's a fourth one coming out, and will that change the effect of the other ones? I'll give you an example where it it nearly changed it for me. Alien is so far removed from what Alien films are today that even, even back when Alien 3 came out, right? Alien is so far away from Alien 3 that it's not affected, right? But certain films, let's say, uh, Indiana Jones, for example. Like, the first Indiana Jones is pretty good. I wouldn't say it's legendary, but it's very good. But my overall feeling for that series is mar- is tarred by Crystal, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Like, yeah. I can't call that entire series a masterpiece. I think uh, the masterpiece will have to be defined a bit more because uh, with an element of how entertaining it is and how well it did with the audience, 
because yeah. this is uh yeah very high up in the in the good, good category but uh it's an oscar movie which it, it became a bit more popular thanks to the oscar but i have not it probably won't make that much money it no, will probably not. won't be seen by that many people no yeah, that's very true which is a shame because i highly recommend seeing this movie regardless oh, yeah. it's excellent um mm-hmm. yeah for me yes good it's very high yeah, um very high good yes super high up we it might be at the highest good before legendary for me it's very much up there i mean i mean it's like the same bracket for me as t2 was even though t2 has that um nostalgia feel for me because of that um but yeah it's something about british films man i mean as much as foreign films are so ahead of the game some british films really do nail what's going on sometimes like <laughs> yeah of course uh, because that was the other thing i never mentioned hollywood eyes nothing in this film was really no not at all a little more than in bruges which like is the a, other Martin McDonough piece I really enjoy. Yeah. Kind of an auteur film. Mm. Like we call it in France a film d'auteur, which uh, basically won't make any money, but it was made because the, they're clearly something there. Mm. I believe this is a film for production. Yes, it is. Film yes. Four, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it's yeah. the same studio that brought us Train Spotting. Mm-hmm. But then again, it's also the same studio that brought us um, the Inbetweeners movie. <laughs> And the film I auditioned for last year as well, which I don't know if that's getting made or not, so I won't say anything about that. Oh. Um, I'd like now to talk about something so funny that I still think about it. Um, Anouk, um, your mum, what does she think about her podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) She obviously is very proud of me, and she thinks that it's amazing what we do. Um. But she also thinks that there's quite a lot of things that we don't know. And um, there are a few things that apparently we've said wrong in the past. Um, and so she has decided to give Adam some uh, film books so that, <laughs> yes. he, uh, so that we can kind of brush up on our film knowledge. Because uh, there are a few episodes where we totally bullshit. And apparently I, we've... So apologies for that. <laughs> I will start... I don't know if it will be a blog or it will be a, a, like a video thing. Maybe in the future it will be a video. But for now, it will probably be a blog where I will go through each of the episodes. I will listen to it back and see what we got right and wrong. And yeah. maybe I'm considering doing that. Or we could have another. We could have an episode in the future where we, co- we revisit movies that we've reviewed in the past and talk about them again and see what we got right and what we got wrong. Mm-hmm. But um, from now on in... We're going to be as accurate as possible, where possible, okay? I, I loved how you said it the other day, like, uh, yeah, yeah, your facts are wrong, it's all bullshit, but it's lovely. <laughs> yeah, she said, she said um, it's very charming. Charming. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. My mother is brutal, basically. Um, I think Jan's notes will definitely help going on in the future. Yeah. I mean, in the beginning, we did try. We like we'd, we'd scour things, but there was an episode early on that we had to re-record because it was just us reading trivia, and I'm like, that's not interesting to anyone. Just us reading trivia. Yeah, we need. Yeah, but um, yeah. she's right. We need whenever we say stuff like, uh, for example, me with that documentary that I mentioned earlier. I'll need to find proof of that. You know, we need yeah. to find these things before I. The problem is that. We record this. Ep- we record the episodes off the cuff. We don't script anything. We just start no. talking. So, and we don't have the ability to check while we're doing it when it keeping the flow. So, it might be worth doing like like bonus like point five episodes later on after Jan's done the editing. Go right, this things we need to look up, 
and then we sit down and discuss it again. We're like, right, these are the things that we got wrong, and then we discuss them. Maybe that's yeah. maybe that's worth looking into as well. Yeah, but. or uh, look 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 them up during, and then kind of edit back and forth. One of us just look through while the other ones keep talking. That's an idea. During is well, the thing is that. The thing, uh, what, what, because I'm editing, sometimes I, when I actually do the editing, I noticed, oh, I could have gone the, this way and like uh, um, jumped, like used uh, something that was said to go further and everything. Mm. And but I, I was either focused on the, the notes that were that were coming, or so and I didn't. And some of the times, just like when I talked here about. Um, when I brought up the racist thing at the beginning, I, I bring them back in the follow follow up episode, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, and I, actually, that's something that I should probably follow up. the The suffragette dates that I gave were only for white women. I think we should probably talk about the fact that uh, Asian women and black women were not given the right to vote till I think women, white uh, black women were only nineteen sixty four. So that is probably really important to say because that's probably come out quite racist that we're just talking about oh like all the women then became had the vote at this uh, and that's not true at all yeah because even the the the, the guys of the same races didn't have it so it, took, yes. it, it came later also so yes. probably, yeah okay and i'm actually not sure if uh black women were the same as black men was is that all no one thing no idea yeah, um, this is the thing we don't know <laughs> all i know is that when we were talking about suffragettes the date that when when people were like, oh, it's a centurion of white of of women, that's completely wrong. It wasn't. It was a centurion for centurion. I am centennial. Maximus Aridius. It's not centurion. It was the centurion Caecilius. It was centurion. Uh, um, centurion. It was the it was the centurion in the book. This is the, this is the ancient Rome version of Cluedo. It was the centurion <laughs> in the form. <laughs> With the gilt, what are they called? Uh, the the swords, the spanner. Well, not the spanner. I'm trying to think of like a, a Roman weapon. Trident. With, with the trident or the uh, gallius. Long sword. Uh, the swords that they used to call the like, it's like gallius. It's close to uh, um, anyway. The, the Roman centennial. Yeah. I meant of uh, white uh, and also rich women. Sorry, centennial. Centen centennial. Yeah, that's right. I thought you said centennial. Is it centennial or centennial? I don't uh, think it, I don't know. A hundred years. A <laughs> hundred years Cent since centennial is close, but it's white not women. Centennial. It's, it doesn't matter. It's a century. <laughs> no, it's not. It's it's either centennial or centennial. I'm not sure. I, I was in the scouts in, when they were a hundred years old, and we had a big massive thing, and I can't remember the bloody name of it. Anyway, um, a yeah. hundred years since white women with property over a certain age. So. I think that's one of the re things that we got wrong. So, yeah. Okay. We we should do, we might do episodes later on because now we live together, we have the ability to just go, yeah, guys, you want to do an episode today or whatever. Yeah. Um, and we, I mean, we can talk about this after the podcast. I just mean the idea of doing episodes that are just like discussions. For example, I want to, kind of, I did some research into something uh, reading wise and I was looking into what's called the dark age of Disney, which is to do with like, a movie bombed and it affected the whole studio sort of thing. Mm. Uh, so there are like interesting things that have happened in cinema history that we could talk about in like their own episodes instead right. of just movies. Parallel episodes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. which I, um, I quite like the idea of doing as well. Yeah, I'd like that. It's plugging time! France! Scotland! England! Go, go, Podcast Rangers! Mighty plug-in Podcast Rangers! Go, go, Podcast Rangers! Mighty plug-in Podcast Rangers! On the subject of Krispy Kremes... Yes? Um, they've released a Krispy Kreme Nutella-filled donut, apparently. Oh. I've seen all over 
like Twitter and stuff. Wow, yum. Mm. Yeah, this uh, episode is not sponsored by Krispy Kreme. Mm. Um, so, um, Anouk, um, nothing. Nothing. So what happened and what was that and how, uh, whatever. So obviously you guys came on March the 9th to see my play. Um, I had food poisoning. Uh, yes. Adam was <laughs> ill. I was ill. Um, and um, it went really well. And amazingly, we got to uh, be invited to the Isle of Mull. Their youth, they have a youth theatre there. Um, and we have been invited to perform Nothing Again. Uh, we are looking into dates. We're hoping somewhere in, in October, but um, I'll let you guys know more when we know. Um, yeah, so that's really exciting. I quite like when Anouk told me this. I'm like, do you know what the population of Mull is? She's like, no. I mean, Mull's about 4,000. Yeah, 4,000 okay. people live on the Isle of Mull. It's an isle. Yeah. Let's hope to get all of them. <laughs> <See, nothing. laughs> nice, nice. You can say if 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 four hundred people went, you have ten percent of the entire population of Mull saw your play. You know, you bragging rights. Yes. So if forty people saw it, that's one percent of the population saw it. You know. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> that's the biggest. That's that's actually quite a good statistic. Actually, it's like oh, we played to ten percent of the entire population of somewhere. Wow. Oh my God! Really. <laughs> Like okay. Maddie and his uh, Chinese, uh, of course, shop. yes, yeah. <laughs> that's that's the global population of the Earth. So. Excellent. Yeah, um, yeah. We actually got 130 people in in Glasgow. That's really so good. So I'm hoping that we can kind of sort of get that amount in Mal. Maybe not that amount because it's a smaller area, but you know, in proportion. Is that very remote? Like, let's say, if we wanted to, also, well, we've seen the play, but we. We'll have to see you everywhere. So. Yeah, you guys have to come. <laughs> um, it's not bad to get to. It's not one of the far. It's not like Arran and uh, the Orkney Isles. It's, it's actually, th um, I heard, three and a half hours on the train okay. from here. Oh, there is a train and then a ferry, I guess. No, oh, because Probably, it's a yeah. proper island. It will be a, yeah. Yeah. It's not, um, as, it's, it's not like Shetland. It's not miles and miles away. I'll have to uh, let you know. Okay, awesome. Well, listen, we'll wait for this. Yay! <laughs> Uh, second plugin thing. Um, there was a line. More and more plugin podcast. <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, there is a line in there where Chief Willoughby talks about his uh, to his kids, saying uh, um, that his wife has a, a mummy, mummy's chardonnay migraine. Um, so, as you probably know, my mum is um, has a vineyard in France, and we just had for the recent, our most recent red, the uh, 2012 red uh, gold medal. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. we had, we had silver ones. Uh, we had several silver ones. We had a gold medal. It's a kind of a regional um, award thingy, but most of the people actually um, accredited to actually taste and are professionals. Like, oh, wow! Uh, nice. Analogists and uh, uh, industry people. So that's yeah, cool. that's Very really well really cool. That wine is excellent. Uh, your red is like my favourite thing <laughs> in the world. <laughs> is that the one that you brought back for a nook? You told me that was like an early one. Um, maybe brought, I brought, you know, that, that one I brought is the one with 50% of um, variety, which was completely removed from Provence. Ah. So we, we have a, a a spot where we have some of those vines still. Oh. This one... Uh, this one with the fifty percent, we can do whatever we please with the percentages of uh, varieties. The the one that got the medal is um, strict. There's okay. there's uh, GOP kind of. Uh, mm. uh, oh yeah, wow! Nice. Kind of the, 
Very, that's, very cool, yeah. That's great. Yeah, first, uh, first gold medal, so that's quite cool. Uh, well, I think we're good. Yeah. Yeah, very good. This is the first one of Oscar season. For example, we're going to have a discussion episode where we discuss all of these movies within the context of who would we give the awards to? Was it fair? What do we think? You uh-huh. know, that'll be a discussion episode at yes. the end once we've yeah. done all these. Yes. So coming up, we'll have The Shape of Water, uh, Call Me By Your Name, uh, The Darkest uh, Darkest Hour, um, the one with um, Denzel Washington, which was just one award it was competing for uh israel israel uh, I don't oh, remember yes. too, oh yeah we, we also have it in the uh, youtube oh, cool uh, i tanya is also in there coco uh yeah for animation coco, yeah. Think, yeah 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 uh at least is, seven is get or, out involved uh we, it, we could do get i mean was, it did win screen can, it didn't win but it was uh, yeah it did, uh, one screen original right? sc- yeah, original yeah. screenplay did win. Yeah. we can uh yeah we can we can yeah. talk about still the, haven't seen it it's probably sacrilege oh. yeah um, well I, I i was uh spoiled the ending so it was a bit of a drag but yeah it's very nice um yeah yeah we'll we'll use that uh, pretext of oscars to put it in there yeah. also yeah. no i i've i've know i know the ending because of it's everywhere now isn't it can't so remember. but I it's might, fine I, I might know it but i can't remember it yeah um so yeah uh that's us for today i think magic yeah. so you know we were adam anuk and jan bye-bye bye bye